All right, guys, before we get stuck into today's episode, I want to thank the major sponsor of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast, Unify Health Supplements. Unify have the highest quality ingredients on the market along with the best tasting products. You guys can head to unifyactive.com and use the code DJK10 to get 10% off all products on the website. So that's DJK10 at unifyactive.com to save 10% on all products with Unify Health Supplements. Let's get stuck into the show. Hey guys, Jordan Tabakman here, barber and business owner. Really excited to be here at the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast with Danny. Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. Beautiful brother. Welcome to the show, Jordan. It's a pleasure Thank to have you, you on, man. Appreciate it. Excited to be here. Excited to have you here, man. Um, I, I'm pumped to get into your story today. I, I mention a lot with the guests that come on the show that regardless of whether it's in health and fitness, business, personal development, whatever it is, um, I just love talking about people's stories and, and really starting to understand how they got to where they are now. And so I think if anyone listening or watching at the moment, particularly those that, that know who you are or come across your social media or your business ventures... It's easy, easy to look at that and be like, fuck, man, this, this guy's got a great life, crushing business, and it, it all looks nice and peachy. But um, I'd love to kind of rewind a little bit and, and start to understand how your story started, I guess, how you even got into the industry in the first place. And, um, yeah, we can kind of break it down a little bit and chat about some of the things that, you know, the speed bumps along the way, which I'm sure you've had, every, every business owner does. Mm. Um, but yeah, man, tell us about like where, firstly, whereabouts did you kind of grow up? You grew up in Melbourne? So yeah, I grew up in uh, McKinnon, like Bentley yep. area, you know, parents coming from a European background, moving to Australia, um, very grateful to be born here, you know, every day I wake up and I'm like, you look at the news and you see things going on around the world and you're just like, fuck, we live in such a grateful country. Like we have everything we need, mm. you know, so it's something that. I hold close to my heart, you know, my parents coming from uh, a rough beginning and, and bringing in everything here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it's just been a whirlwind of a, of a journey so far. But um, it was funny, my old man first moved to Sydney and he was mucking around with his friends, just typical young, you know, guy from another country, had no idea about Australia or anything or how things work here and he had a best friend of his and his mum was a hairdresser and his mum said all right you guys are mucking around too much so come into the shop you're going to work for me sweep the floors things like that and then dad was like all right let's do it so you know he sweeped the floors had his friends coming in decided i'm going to try cut their hair just have (laughs) fun with it um so i'm a second generation barber which is cool you know dad started the journey um, and then he moved to Melbourne mm-hmm. with mum. Um, and from there, you know, he just went all in on the hairdressing career and things like that. And he just started his own shop, which was a women's hairdressing salon. Mm-hmm. Men's wasn't big back then. It was yeah. just, you know, scissor stuff. You know, there's no, there was no such thing as fades, no paperwork, fades, anything yeah. like that. It just wasn't a thing. Um, and then he opened his first salon, Taboo, it was called. And then he 
did that for quite a while and decided, you know, I see a gap in the market, men's barbering, and he opened his first barbershop across the road to his women's salon. Okay. So he didn't want women and men to be all in the same place, you yep. know, marketing men and women niche in the same place. Yeah, niche it down. It was a really important thing for him, uh, which worked out well because he created one of the first modern classic barbershops. Nice. Um, and that was in 2006 he founded Barber Club. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, right. Yeah, so it was quite quite cool. It was an old school but modern feel to the place. And I grew up in there all the time. Mm-hmm. Every two days I'd get one of the guys, cut my hair, please cut my hair. Yeah. You know, I <laughs> want to go to school looking good. <laughs> yeah. um, so that was pretty cool. What, what style did you have back then? Um, I went through many styles, man. I Far out, I had... Tip, blonde tips in my hair, like yeah, as I went m- through that phase. Yeah, for sure. I think we all did. You know, um, put half a kilo of wax in my hair, <laughs> like push the fringe down. Everything spiky, messy. Um, got over that. I think I tried. What I do? I did a mohawk, things like that. Just anything Dad wanted to do, I was like, do whatever you want. Yeah. And I thought I'm going to school looking cool, you know. And I look <laughs> back at photos now, and I'm like, what the fuck were you doing? <laughs> Like, how did you get away with that? Um, so, yeah, then, you know, Dad and I, we didn't have the closest relationship because growing up, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I never really tried too hard in school to focus on academics, things like that. I was more into sport. I mm-hmm. uh, loved my footy, basketball, things like that. And then got to 18, finished school, Um I was like, what am I doing? Like, where am I going to go with myself, you know? And I was like, I'm going to try landscaping. Yeah. I'm going to get out there and try landscaping. Most boys these days and, and blokes grow up and they're like, oh, I want to be a tradie, you know, it's such a good lifestyle. You're up at six, you're starting work, you're done by two. And then life's good. You go to the pub, you drink beers yeah. with the boys. <laughs> and that's what seems fun because everyone – I was playing footy. Yeah. So – Everyone I was playing footy with, that's what they were doing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is a cool lifestyle. I started doing it. Started going to the pub, yeah. having beers, having palmers. I'm like, I fucking hate this. Yeah, <laughs> This is not the life I want. And then from there, I tried, I worked in a gym. Okay. Um, so it was funny, I didn't work for a bit. And my partner, uh, she said, look, you're doing nothing. Like, what are you going to do with yourself? And I said, I'm going to try working a gym. I'll go get my PT certificate, cert three, four. Mm-hmm. Nothing crazy, nothing, no like uni, anything like that. I don't know nowadays if it's changed, you probably know, but it's pretty easy to get your cert three, four in fitness. Yeah, barriers to entry is pretty fucking yeah, low. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I did that and I really enjoyed it. At this stage, I was like heavy into gym. Yeah. Like I love gym. I was there every single day. Like I did. Rest day, there was no such thing. Yeah. In hindsight, like it was not a good move because <laughs> I was always wrecked, but um, I was just addicted to it. And I'm like, well, if I'm addicted to this, I'm going to go try it, work in a gym. Yeah. My results that I've gotten, I'm going to help other people try and do. Mm-hmm. So finished my certificate, had a friend of my dad's who had a gym. I'm like, can I come work for you? He said, yes. Um Started working there. As you know, building up clients, you're in that industry. I'm no longer in that industry, but building up clients can be detrimental like to your mental health because you're just so 
unsure of how many clients you're going to get, what yeah. kind of income you're going to get weekly, you know. Mm-hmm. It was just one of those things where... It's very inconsistent. It's inconsistent. Yeah. And that's how I always felt. You know, one week I'd have like 40 clients. I'm like, fuck, I just made like three and a half grand. Yeah. And my rent is like 300 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> I am balling. Yeah. I'm like calling the missus. Let's go out. <laughs> yeah. Let's go buy a Louis Vuitton bag. Yeah. And I'm like, this is the best. Yeah. Next week I have 10 clients. Yeah. I'm like, fuck, you got the receipt on that bag? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I need to, I need to relax. Like this yeah. is... This I've got to find a balance. Um, it's funny. I, I I literally said to someone the other day, like, if I there's no way that I would still be in this industry if I was if I was only a PT. Yeah. Like if I just did face to face PT, I don't yeah. think I would be still in the industry because yeah. of the fact that it is so inconsistent. You're completely reliant on other people. 100. There's no there's no proper security of of income and being able to predict your income. Obviously, with the online business and all the rest of the stuff, which is allowed me to stay in the industry but yeah it's it, it's crazy i think that's something as you kind of mentioned before it's like new pts don't put too much thought to that because yeah. it, it's similar to what you said about like the tradie lifestyle right yeah. it's like you look at a pt and you're like yeah. fuck work a few hours a day yeah. be in the gym get paid a heap of cash how good but it, it takes time and a lot of effort to build up that clientele base yeah and you know exactly what you're saying i have an inconsistency of clients what can i add that's going to add more stream of income. Mm-hmm. So I started doing, I'm like, get my results from my before when I started gym and to where I'm at now and just smash that on social media. Yeah, you know, Social media wasn't big back then, but mm-hmm. it was a platform. Yeah, It was a free advertising platform. You know, I don't have to spend money to post a photo of me here and yeah. me now, you know. Organic reach would have been wild too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then, so I started doing plans, programs, things mm-hmm. like that. Nothing to what it's like now. Nothing to what the fitness industry is like now. Back then, 2013, 14, you know, I was Word document. Yeah. You know, example, example, Callum. Here's your program for the week. Yeah. Here's your nutrition plan. Follow this. I didn't even have the, the right information in my head of what I needed to put on those plans, but I'm very consistent with research, finding out different things. I'm like, if you want to lose weight, calorie deficit Mm -hmm. you know we got to lower the carbs things like that just all just cookie cutter shit yeah (laughs) and a lot of my high school mates were buying those programs and i was like yeah i'll look after you 50 dollars a program they're like done why straight to you and then i got a bit of consistency with that and i started getting good results with these people you know because the training that i was doing and the training that they were doing was completely different and for the goals they wanted to yeah. achieve, I was like, we got to change this up, you know? And it worked. And then I think one day a guy bought a plan off me and I was having a bad day and I sent him the plan like I got it ready, but I got his name wrong. So like technically I'd sent another program to yeah, him yeah. and I was like, he hit me up. He's like, bro, you just sent me this program and it's someone else's name. And I'm like, it's bad yeah because <laughs> it's like i'm just copied and pasted yeah. everything that i've given to other people yeah which essentially was what i was doing back then because i was so fresh to the industry i had yep. no idea about you know the specifics of what it had to take to do it properly customizing yeah. it properly i didn't have people around me teaching me you know and in that industry i was in and the gym environment back then it was quite toxic mm-hmm. you know so i was this young 18 19 year old 
like doing well in there and then you got 30 40 year olds who are just like talking shit yeah trying to steal your clients and you're like again it's not for me yeah no so landscaping not for me pt world not for me i ended up working on the reception at that gym instead of PTing. i was like i'm over PTing. i said to peter i'm happy to do reception or i'm just happy to leave yeah he's like yeah yeah, do reception all good i enjoyed it for a bit i felt like a salesman i was signing up members things like that um but that was like going from two three grand a week to like you're on a wage 650 a week Mm. and then i was like no that's not for me i know i can do more than what i'm doing sitting here yep you know so i finished up there um at this point i'm living out the back of my parents house in a little granny flat you know i'd met my missus my missus moved in two weeks after we met you know it was just me and her we were just having fun yeah and for three months i didn't have a job nothing like that and the money ran out mm-hmm. I'm like fuck i gotta do something so she's like why don't you try barbering your your family's in here your mum was a hairdresser your dad's a, a hairdresser and barber and i was like ah, i'm not doing that me cutting hair like it's not there's no way i'm like at this stage i was like muscular yeah. like fit a footy player i'm like if i go cut hair all the boys are going to start laughing at me. I don't want to be like that. So we shut that down for like a week and then I went and got a haircut and I'm seeing, and because it was in my head, subconsciously it was in my head, I'm like, all right, go get a haircut. Shop's full, vibe is mad, people are laughing, having fun. The barbers are doing what they're doing. I'm like, maybe I could do it. Yeah. You no, know, we'll try it. You know, I've got a perfect platform. I've got a family business. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I enrolled in an academy, mm-hmm. said, all right, pull the trigger, let's do it. A day before the first intake, I pulled out. I shit myself. I was <laughs> like, nah, I'm not doing this. Backed out. I can't do it. It's not going to work out. I've got to go find something else that's going to work. Maybe I'll get back in construction, something like that. Just, you know. So how old were you at this point? 19. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm like, you know what, that's it. I enroll in the next intake because the next intake was eight weeks later. So it was another two months of doing nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how am I Like, I can't buy anything. Yeah. I can't take the love of my life out for dinner and enjoy a nice night out. Yeah. I can't go get a new pair of socks. I literally can't do anything. And at this stage, again, I'm still into gym. Like, I'm enjoying it. Can't afford my protein. Mm. Can't afford all my supplements I need. Mm-hmm. so i'm still training i'm stealing all my fucking friends protein things <laughs> like that they're cool with it they're like yeah, yeah. month later they're like bro you've used like all my protein <laughs> like i don't have it right now yeah. I, like i can't afford it i'm just gonna be honest and i've always had good friends where we're very honest with each other mm-hmm. um and then so yeah i'm like next intake i'm in so enrolled went in the dude ben uh, funny story, my dad learned hairdressing properly from the same academy I learned barbering. Wow. So they started doing a barber component yep. of hairdressing. Okay. Um, and Ben, Ben's dad, who owns Bieber, uh, with Ben and, and his brother and their mum, he laughed. He said, I saw your name in the intake and then... The previous one? Yeah, yeah. he's like, you didn't show up. I'm like, I shit myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, I just wasn't ready. And then got into it and started learning the craft and just 
every I think we were there four days a week. Yeah. And every time like I tried to do something, I'm like, this is not for me. Like I don't understand all these layering techniques, all these long hair stuff. Because you gotta learn the fundamentals, the basics, long hair, how to cut, uh, how to use your scissors, things like that. And over time, and back then it was an eight week course. It wasn't like now it's a two year proper apprenticeship. Yeah, okay. You know, so it's like how am I gonna get all the, I'm three weeks in, I don't actually understand anything. Mm. You know, the other we, side of you yeah, gotta come out and start working. Yeah, we've done our theory stuff, we're getting into the practical stuff. I'm trying to cut hair, I'm cutting half my finger off every time <laughs> and I'm like, is this gonna click? Or and then Ben was a good mentor to me. He said, you know, one day you're just gonna wake up and it's gonna click. Mm. Like everything will make sense. And it, it literally is what happened. Like, you know, and I'm watching videos at home mm-hmm. after hours stuff, you know, it's not just go to class, come home, fuck around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just clicked. Everything clicked. The scissor work clicked, the clipper work clicked. And it wasn't good. Like it they weren't good haircuts. Yeah. But it clicked. It all yeah. started making sense, you know, the basic fundamentals. Um and then I finished up got my qualification uh which was a component of hairdressing and then i said to dad like can i come work for you and he was so proud he was like yes that would have been an awesome feeling for him it was yeah. it was definitely and then it was a funny situation because i'd come to work and back then it was a walk-in barbershop okay right so it was no, no bookings. bookings it wasn't like you come at nine o'clock yeah and I'm there waiting for you because you're booked in. It was just like, whoever walks in, you're in. Yeah. I'd rock up at 10 o'clock because it wasn't, there was no bookings, you know. And this was in the first few weeks. I'd rock up an hour late. Um, I'd say to Dad, oh, Dad, it's quiet. It wasn't quiet, but I'd say, oh, it's quiet. Can I go home? Your dad. He's going to say yes, yeah, you yeah. know. Like, my dad's always been so good in that sense where, like, his compassion and, who he is in his heart is just like the best person in the world, mm-hmm. you know, not a bad bone in his body. So he'd never say no to anything. Now it's different. Like yeah. now where we are and, and everything that we've got going on, it's like yes or no, just yeah. straight up. Yeah. So after three months working there, this was at the Bentley shop, the first, the first barber first club one. when it was like old school, you know, different branding, different, everything was mm-hmm. different. We had different type of barbers. And he said, he sat down with me. He's like, I can't do this anymore. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you're not working here anymore. You just come whenever you want. You leave whenever you want. Yeah. You're not putting in effort you should be putting into the clients. Like this is, at the end of the day, my business, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you're, a, you're being detrimental to the business. So I think you need to go and learn somewhere else mm-hmm. like, and, and progress and do your own thing. And like I couldn't sleep that night. I was like, this is, that crumbled me yeah. on the inside, you know. I was like, this is my family telling me I can't be a part of what they're doing anymore. Yeah. And as Did a 19-year-old, you're just like, that's it, game over. Did that, because um, I mean, once you first started there with your old man, I'm assuming that like kind of helped you guys bond a little bit, even like, yeah. a bit closer. And yeah. then so... How did you, like, what did that do to your relationship once once he kind of said, you know, yeah, time's up? So, 
like I was saying before, our relationship before I became a barber was almost non-existent. Right. Like we, there was not much we could really relate to because okay, his yeah. interests, and it doesn't have to be where your dad, dad's interests need to be your interests and mm-hmm. vice versa, but we just, you know, he'd come home from work and I'd be like, what's up? And that was it. End of conversation. We'd have dinner and because I didn't know what to talk to him about. Yeah. I'd talk about footy. You don't like footy that much, yeah. you know. So when I was working in there at the start, it was great. Like we were talking about everything. For me, it was like at that early stage, tools and styling products and learning about that. And, and he'd be teaching me all that. So mm-hmm. that was cool. Like we'd go home and we'd talk about it more. Mm-hmm. And when he said, you got to move on, go do your own thing. Like, to me, that just switched this thing in my head where I'm like, all right, enough's enough. Like, i got to stop fucking around, you know? Mm-hmm. I didn't go work somewhere else to... I did go work somewhere else to benefit myself, but I went there because I had this fire inside of me. It's like the only two people that I love dearly, like my mum and my dad, mm-hmm. telling me, like, I'm detrimental on their family business. Mm-hmm. It's like, you got to change something. Because that no. can go one of two ways, right? Yeah, you yeah. can either go the way that you went yeah. or it can be like, all right, fuck you. And then yeah, just, just completely separate yeah. yourself and that could be the end of yeah. the, that relationship. 100%. Yeah. And, and that's today how I wake up. I'm like so proud that that happened and so grateful that happened because mm-hmm. if that hadn't happened, we wouldn't be in the position we're in business-wise, relationship-wise, things like that. Yeah. So I reached out to, at the time, the most well-known barbershop brand you'd know king's domain mm-hmm. um at that time and said i'm interested in working for you guys you know inside i'm like i really want to work here yeah. you know, <laughs> like i'm looking at their social media stuff and i'm like this is a place to be i could yeah. learn a lot um i went and had an interview with aaron got the job started pretty much the following week and it was just so much to take in. Yeah. So different to what, you know, you go from a, a walk-in classic style shop mm-hmm. to a high-end appointment-based shop, yeah. you know. And the biggest change for me was you don't have all the time in the world to do a haircut. It's like your appointment is 30 minutes, yeah. 9 to 9.30. And that includes a haircut, a beard trim, style, all that has to be done, mm-hmm. you know. So... The systems they had in place at the time taught us that quickly. You know, I went, they had an academy set up and I yeah. they put me through, I think it was like a few days of, of how they cut hair. Yep. Um, and I picked it up pretty quick. I adapt pretty quickly to well. a lot of situations. Um, and that was me thrown into the deep end. We were like 8.30, we got there, 8 p.m. we finished. Yeah. It wasn't like rock up at 10 leave at two or three like I was before. It's mm. just like, this is real. And that was a high traffic area, like yeah. shop. So we were busy. You know, you went, yeah, used to go own. there. You yeah. know, I probably met you six, seven years yeah. ago. You would come in there, you know. Um, and so I adapted well. And simply because I had to, I didn't have a choice. You know, yeah. if you're running late and you're doing 10 minutes over time on one client, then you've only got 20 minutes for the next haircut and could be beard trim. Mm stresses you out yeah. you're like oh, fuck i gotta get these it's routine got a lot more place. accountability now yeah, yeah um and then i was enjoying my time i had a really good 
group of barbers around me, you know, mm. a lot that I could learn from. And there was a dude, his name's Tim. He owns a barbershop called Paragon now, mm-hmm. not too far, yeah. Armadale. Um, and Tim and I would work next to each other. We would just bounce off each other ideas. Um, you know, what what kind of haircuts do we want to get better at? So we'd work out 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. and we'd spend an hour, hour and a half after work doing more haircuts yeah, on man. our friends. We'd get our friends in. Yeah. And to me, that was the only way that I found actually accelerated my skills and made me better and, and understand hair more. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you can do your, I'll just say nine to five, but you're going to learn from five to nine after that. Yeah, 100%. You know what I mean? That's just simple as that. And so we would just do that. Um, and then I had Aaron, my boss, who taught me so much. Like he was a, probably one of the biggest mentors in my life, you know, just seeing his approach to business, his approach to his clients, you know, the general respect, the way he works the room with his team, things like that. It's just Doing so valuable. With people, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, it was funny. Every day you'd have to pack your tools up, pack them away, and you weren't – tomorrow you weren't going to be in the same spot. Mm-hmm. You know, like you walk into my shop now, I'm in the same spot. Yeah. The boys have got their spots. So that's just how it is. And every day I'd want to be right next to Aaron yeah. because I just picked, I wanted to pick his brain. Like I wanted to hear how does he talk to his clients, you know? Yeah. What are the little things he does that has his column fully booked out every day and charging X amount, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not going to learn that at the back of the shop. Yeah. You know, next to the apprentices who yeah, are. Yeah, exactly who are just watching us learning, things like that. I've got to be there. So I had to be one of those guys that was just there super early so I could set up my tools before anyone else, Mm -hmm. you know. In hindsight, I felt, did did that make a bit of a relationship effect with the other barbers, things like that? And now it's like, I don't give a fuck. It's like what I had to do to learn from from those particular people had to be done mm. you know it's just simple as that and, and it's also like a credit to yourself to even have that self-awareness to do that yeah you know what i mean because as you said i think you see it you know i'll compare it to personal training i was very much the same in my journey early on it's like all the work that goes on outside of actually being in the gym and all the research and all the networking and the taking every opportunity you can get trying to learn from the best it's like for a lot of people regardless what industry they're in it's like once you get that qualification once you get the job as you said show up nine to five do your time mm. piss off and and that's kind of it. it's just the on or off switch but mm. that's not what gets you to the level you know that, that you're at now or to get to the highest level of any industry it's mm. it's what goes on outside of the the regular hours that are just standard it's like that should be an absolute given that yeah. you come in and do the work at the start but all the growth happens outside of that otherwise you don't you don't reach those levels of success or growth that that you're in now. Mm. Yeah, spot on, definitely. So then for me, you know, I had Aaron in the barbershop mm-hmm. and across the road, his partner for King's Domain, Joey Scandizo, yep. who's like the most renowned hairdresser in Australia, looks after all the high-end clients. Um, but on top of that, just literally one of the best persons I've ever met in my life, yeah. you know? Help me all the way through. And then I said, all right, like, I'm not into this photographic stuff. At the time, I wasn't into education and stuff like that. 
what's my niche? What path can I take? Because in barbering and hairdressing, you can take, there's hundreds of paths. Mm-hmm. You can go down, you know, photographic collections, education, business ownership, uh, management, mm-hmm. things like that, work from home by yourself. There's like heaps of different paths yeah. you can take. And I looked at Joey and I was like, this dude's got all the celebrities coming in. He's got like some of the most famous women and guys that come over here who gets called up when they want a haircut. Joey did. Mm. That was just common knowledge. Everyone knew it. And so for years we just would catch up for breakfast. We'd go play tennis, things like that. And I'd pick his brain like, again, something that, I didn't tell him at the time. It was just something I knew I had to do. I, at the end of the day, the more brains you pick, the more you learn, the more knowledge yeah. you gain. It's just common sense. So I'm like, there's no barbers really doing what Joey's doing. There's no barbers really looking after real high-end celebrities. Is that my niche? Can I try something like that? And the location of where we were, South Yarra, it was a perfect opportunity yeah. for me to, to try and do that. And we had a girl, Indy, she was our social media manager, marketing manager, things like that. So I got in contact with her directly, you know, through obviously Aaron and, and the crew and and she'd pop in the shop weekly and things like that. So I'd say, you know, if you've got any celebs or TV stars or footy players or anything, mm-hmm. send them my way and, you know, I'm, I'm happy to pay for their appointment. Yeah. Like, you know, it was just something that back then it wasn't a thing of how influential the social media world is it's you know there wasn't hey come in do a post and yeah exactly. free this free that we'll look mm-hmm. after you on this it was just like i'll pay for them i'm happy to do that yeah i was making 800 bucks a week working those kind of hours yeah. you know and i'm i didn't have it again you know but yeah. i was living at home i didn't have any rent yep. to pay or anything so that 800 bucks a week you know if i budgeted hundred bucks a week to two guys who had some kind of you know either sports background Mm -hmm. or or influential background in any way I'll do it I'll pay for it yeah um so it began like Indy hooked me up with a I'm not going to name names right now but I'm going to say like you've got your mid-level footy players your high-level footy players same in any industry you got your mid-level high-level kind of people and I said, I'll take anything. You mm. send anyone in you want, I'll take, you know, photos with them. I'll create the content yeah. that you guys can use and that I'll use for my, my page and stuff yeah. like that. So it started at like, I don't want to say average footy players or anything, yeah, but, yeah. you know, guys who are not superstars. Yeah. They're just like decent, good footy yeah. players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'd come in and I was like, all right, I'm getting a bit of traction. I've got this guy who's decent you know he's just sent his mate in yeah you know and then things change instead of me paying for them you know it was like the guys started to see the value in them coming in yeah so all like right, we'll give you aaron yeah, yeah, yeah. indie stuff like that so we'll give you a free haircut you do a story for us or yeah. whatever things like that for me it didn't bother me i wanted to get the photo for my content for yeah. my page you know yeah. and yeah, it kind of just spiraled in a way that the biggest kind of iconic sports star that came in at the start was Nick Kyrgios, mm-hmm. who I've had a relationship with for seven, eight years now. Yeah. Um, and he walked in 
like this was post cutting Thanasi Kokonakis, the other yeah, Aussie yeah, tennis yeah. player. So Joey actually sent Thanasi into me, which was was cool. He was very good. Mm-hmm. He's very good, very well known. Um, and to me, I'm like, fuck, I made it. Like I got this Thanasi Kokonakis, yeah. such a gun tennis player, you know. And I don't know anything about tennis, but I'm <laughs> like, this dude's a man. Because I didn't know Nick at the yeah, time. Yeah. And then I cut his hair and the next day he comes back in and he's got Nick Kyrgios. And Thanasi comes up and Nick comes up. He's like, can you cut Nick's hair? I go look at the computer. I'm like, fuck, I think I'm booked out. Yeah. <laughs> and I say to him, oh, I'm fully booked out. Like, I can't, there's no one I can cancel. Yeah. You know, it's just... I can't do that. You know, the client's booked in. Yeah. That's their appointment. Bank customers, uh, To yeah. me, I don't care who you are, you know, respectfully. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Aaron, happy to fit you in. He'll look after you. So Aaron did Nick's hair to start. And then I was just chatting to him and I gave him my number and I said, if you want a haircut the next few days, send me a text. I'm like, I yeah. won't hear from this dude. But, you know, yeah. I'll put it out there. Yeah. It's a... It's a important thing you know that you build relationship and you put yourself out there a little bit more than you know other people do yeah yeah. and so i said text me whenever went home whatever i didn't realize he likes getting his hair cut every two days yeah so the next day he texts me he's like bro i need a clean up tomorrow um and this is the aussie open time so he's like right into it Mm. and he was doing really well then yeah so cut his hair we just formed this relationship. Like we just had so many mutual things that we liked, you know, basketball, yep. NBA, um, just all different sports, you know. And yeah, we just clicked like that. And then he invited me to go to his games. I was sitting in the box. I'm like, this is unreal. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't even ask him. I'm like, you don't ask a high caliber person like that with millions of followers. Can you post a photo of me? Yeah, yeah. It just yeah. Not a thing. I've never done that in my career. Yeah. Like, there is not, there's not yeah. one person that I've said, can you post a photo of anything? Mm. It's just like, if I've got the content for my social media, yeah, I've, social got, enough, I've got enough reach yeah. to, to hit those, that demographic of young sports fans, yeah. you know, um, building that up over time. And he posted a photo of me and him, like, that afternoon. I, like, we got a cool photo. And my Instagram went from probably been like 5,000, 6,000 people to like 13,000, 14,000, just like bang. Instantly. <laughs> and then I'm looking at the bookings. Like I'm coming in day after day looking at the bookings. I got all these new people just coming in and they're coming in asking like about Nick, <laughs> things like that. And on top of that, footy players, like now we go from like mid-level and then we got the higher, higher end footy players. They're like, yo, can I get a haircut? Yeah. Yeah, sweet, done, I'll book you in, mm. you know. Again, I say at this stage, we do offer, this, you got two options. Like you can pay or you can post a story, tag King's Domain um, and we'll give it to you complimentary. Mm-hmm. All of them were like, yeah, it's fine, I'll post a story. Because Instagram back then, it wasn't as like, you couldn't monetize it as much as you can now. And yeah. people care way too much now about, like posting nice. shit yeah. like stories like the guys that i deal with now they don't give a fuck like about posting a story with you, you know? yeah, if yeah. you built that relationship and you're good with them and they're yeah. good with you like it's beneficial for you 
like for them as well, you mm-hmm. know, if they're feeling good about themselves after a good haircut, yeah, great, they're gonna post it. Of course. If you know, if you're doing your job properly, they're gonna want to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a personable thing as well, where it's like, if you're an asshole and you're not getting along with them, obviously they're not gonna continue that relationship. Exactly. You know? And the guys that I've looked after, I've looked after from day one until now. Yeah. You know? few of them have moved on to other states and plays for different teams, things like that. But when they come down, text, yo, can I come in? Yeah. You know, so it's cool like that. Um, so Nick really blew it up for me in a sense where started getting different footy players, you know. Um, Dustin Martin came in. Dustin's one of my best mates now. Like, we've built this relationship. We live next door to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been through things. I've been through things. And... And we've got that friendship where we don't go out whatsoever. Like we don't drink, we don't party, we don't do any of that. I say, if you want to do that, that's your choice. He doesn't do that anymore, like at all. But it's something where it's not even brought up in our friendship. You know, for us, it's like let's go for a walk, let's go for a nice dinner, Japanese, something like that. Um, can you cut my hair Christmas Eve at midnight? You know, things yeah. like that. Like that's our friendship. So. Um, he came in, started coming in, and again, it was just one of those things. I got the best footy player in the country coming in and I'm cutting his hair, you know, and what does that do? Retrospectively, it brings in a lot of other clients that love footy and, and people love sports stars and they want to come in, they want to see you for a haircut because they want to know more about them. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to come in and get personal information, things like that, and there's things I know that we all know and that you just cannot repeat to anyone, you know. It's just yeah. a common sense thing. Um, so in saying that, like, it's just been this spiral effect where it's gone from, like, you know, decent footy players, good footy players, decent tennis players, amazing tennis players. Um, and then, you know, I started to get a little bit, not over it, but, like, it's like, these guys are just humans. Yeah, of course. I never was once starstruck, which is why we all formed really good relationships. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, some people... A genuine do, personal yeah, relationship. Yeah, it's just, just yeah. like, it's like me and you sitting here. Yeah. I could sit with them all day and yeah. talk over a coffee and talk about life and talk about past experiences and future things going on, you know, because it's just that kind of relationship, mm-hmm. you know? And it's that honesty between each other that's so important. Yeah. I'm not trying to be anyone other than who I am, mm-hmm. nor are they, you know, and they, a lot of them actually really enjoy feeling normal, as crazy as that sounds, like, they've got everything they have in the world, the money. Just having the, a genuine conversation with someone that's not talking to them because yeah. they're a football player. Yeah, or yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. You know, and for them to sit down with someone that's just stock standard, you know, mm. it's good for them. They feel normal, mm-hmm. you know, so... Um, I was getting a bit over it, posting the same shit every second day. It's like, all right, I got this guy in, got that guy in. It's cool. You know, I got yeah. NBA players in. I got, like, really big people. But it's not tickling my fancy anymore. It's like I'm – it's repetitive. Yeah, yeah. You know? It gets likes. It gets views. It gets follows, all that. Mm-hmm. But what is that doing to put money in my pocket? Mm-hmm. At that time, I'm, I didn't care about that. It was like I've got a plan. Yep. Something along the line – is going to work out with either one of these dudes or or the network of those people, you know. Um, 
And then I said, all right, I'm going to try education. So I'm going to start teaching. Mm-hmm. So one of the expos came around. I don't think it's around anymore, the Australian Hair Expo. And Aaron was like, you and Tim should do it because Tim and I had done so much after hours stuff, yeah. you know. And I'm like, yeah, all right, let's do it. You know, at that stage, I was like, nothing scares me anymore in this industry. Like, mm-hmm. I, it's, you cut hair. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're not performing brain surgery. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not rocket science. Yeah. You're cutting hair. There's things that can go wrong, but. It's also something that you've done over and yeah. over and over and yeah. over again that yeah. you've just continued to cut and master. You yeah, know? exactly. Like that repetitive nature just, it becomes like, you don't think about it. You talk, you have that relationship with your client and you don't think about what you're doing. You're clippering, stuff like that. It just becomes repetitive. Yeah. And that can be bad as well because if you're not changing up techniques and things like that, it becomes stale. Mm-hmm. Just like, ah. Uh, and I've seen a lot of barbers fall off because they're not adapting or they're not Close trying mindset. other things. Yeah, that's what it is. And so we got to this hair expo. It was in Sydney. And Tim and I got up on stage and I had never felt more nervous in my life. <laughs> like I was wearing a tight button-up shirt. I got my pants on. I got these lights coming from everywhere that are like, I'm pretty sure they were heat lights because <laughs> I was dying on stage. <laughs> I'm like, I can't do this midway. I'm going to pass out. Got through that and I was like, maybe this is for me because I started seeing footage that people were posting or mm-hmm. just sharing to me, you know. Um, I'm like, I didn't even know I said that. I'm like, that's actually all right. Like, I could elaborate on that and build on that and, mm-hmm. and build on this whole thing, you know. And then after that, me and Tim were looking for, like, any opportunity we could to educate. And we'd say – so we'd have monthly training at King's Domain. So we'd always say to Aaron, can we take training next month? Because it was a whole company training. Okay. So we had South Yarra, Collins Street, Richmond, uh, Paran. Mm-hmm. Everyone together once a month. I think we started at like 8 a.m., finished at 10. And it would always be hands-on training. Yep. And every opportunity I could get, I was like, I want to teach. Like, I want to do more. Because yeah. like anything, the more experience you get in that, that aspect of what you're doing in your career, the better you're going to get. Mm. And once you feel like you've nailed it, you can still get better. There's still so many different other avenues that you can do. And so we'd done a few expos over the years. I was at King's Domain for 2000, what was it? 2016 to 2021, 2020, around that. Um, So I'd done a solid run there. And we'd done our education things. And towards the end, it was... I got invited. So I got a sponsorship with Anders Clippers. Yep. Um, and that sponsorship came out of one of the last expos I'd done. Um, and we were on stage and, and the boss from America had come down for that expo. And she saw us on stage and she said, you guys look like you could be a part of what we're trying to build here. A new education team with Anders Clippers. And I said, straight away, I was like, I think about it. I'm like inside, yes, yeah. this is what I've wanted the whole time, you yeah. know? Like I want that Clipper sponsorship. Yeah. I'm like, I don't care about the money. It's like free Clippers. Yeah. Give me all the Clippers, you know? <laughs> and it's, it was such an exciting moment for me and such a proud moment because again, it was related back to dad firing me. Yeah. You know, it was like, 
oh, I just got a good sponsorship deal. Not financially, yeah. just like a good opportunity. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Reaffirming all the work you'd put in. Yeah, yeah. And then they invited me to come out to India. This was six years ago. And I said to Aaron, Anderson invited me to come to India to do education. So there was two teams. There was a national team and an international team. Mm. And the boss from America put me on the international team. So I was like, this is amazing. I get to go travel around different countries and educate, thinking yep. it would be like the be-all, end-all. You know? And I said to Aaron, I've been invited to go for a, it was like a three, three-and-a-half-week roadshow tour with Andrew around yep. India, er, like every major city. And then he's like, I can't give you the annual leave off. Like it's the time, the timing of when you need to go is like such a busy period for us. And I felt so bad and like I literally, again, I couldn't sleep. I'm like, what do I do? Like I've got to really have a think, what do I do? Do I stay where I'm at? Am I happy with everything that's happening? And I was happy. Mm-hmm. It's just personal growth. I was like, so addicted to getting better and better at what I was doing. You'd reach a bit of a ceiling. I'd reach a ceiling. Like I was saying with the celebrity thing at the time, like it's like, how much can you do? Yeah. You know? And I came to work a few days later. I was like, as like, I've got to finish up because I need to go do this. Like mm-hmm. I just have this feeling in my gut and I don't want to, cause I love working here. Like I absolutely love working at Kings domain. It was for me so much fun. Yeah. And I'm like, am I making the right decision? You know? Anyway, I pulled the trigger. I was like, I'll figure it out. Like, after I'll figure it out, you know, maybe I'll come back and get on my knees and begging for my job back. Yeah. (laughs) I got to do it. So I quit King's Domain, man, and I was like, I couldn't sleep for like a week after. It was just the most scariest thought. I'm like, I'm back to no job. I don't have a job. And... Towards the end of the year when that tour was, it was good in a sense because they were paying me per day I was working for them. Mm -hmm. So I was still making money. I got to India and I was like, what am I doing? This place is nuts. This is, is this for me? Have I just given up something that I'm in love with to do this? Mm. I rock up, meet the manager from India. He's a really good dude. Um, Rohit, he passed away not long ago, but he helped me so much like networking in India and stuff like that. And again, I wouldn't be where I'm at today without his help. And I met him, great dude. Relationship was great. And we did a little conferencing with the Andes team in India. And then the next day it was like straight into it. 9am, you're on stage. And I'm thinking like Hair Expo stage, we've got like 50 people, 60 (laughs) people watching, you know, it's going to be cool, all sweet. I rock up to the venue, there's like 500 chairs. And I'm like, we're not getting 500 people, are we? He's like, we'll be getting 500 sitting down and 300 standing around. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Fuck. <laughs> yeah. like, fuck. <laughs> this is real. This is like, I've got to really switch on. Show comes, we do the show. It's unbelievable. Like, I'd practice in my head what I was going to say so much that mm. like, you forget 50% of it anyway when you're on stage. Mm. Probably same as doing podcasts, yeah. things like that. You want to say certain things and it's like just flies over your head. And so I 
got into the show, did well. I was real happy because everything was sent back to us after so I could watch it over. Yeah, cool. And I'm like, I can learn for the next one. So we finished the first one up. 5 a.m. next morning, we're flying to a different city. 10 a.m., we're starting another show. Bang. Everything's set up. It's like the way that they managed everything was unbelievable. Mm. It was like crazy. You'd rock up. And when I talk about setup, I'm talking about like Crown Palladium size. You know, it wasn't yeah, yeah, like yeah. a small room or anything yeah. like that. So we, s- we, we got through that. That was three and a half weeks. And they gave me one day off. And that one day, like I get a call in the morning from my manager, Rohit. He's like, there's this guy who wants you to come and train his salon, personal salon. I'm like, Rohit, there is no way. <laughs> like one day off in three, three and a half weeks when we're flying to a different city every day, do not even talk to me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm literally just going to lay in bed, not move. He's like, this dude is pretty big. And I was like, fuck. One of those gut feelings. I'm like, all right. I've always gone off gut feeling, yeah. like with everything I've done. Intuition, you know, yeah. Intuition and and for me, it was like, what is the harm in not actually doing it? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's worse than actually doing it. Yeah. So I'll just do it. I'll try it. So I said, all right, whatever. We'll do it. Let's go. So half an hour later, I'm picked up by a driver, taken to the salon. I'm like, this salon is just like, you know, normal salon. Mm. Like, what? Why did I need to do this? This dude rocks in, looks like Elvis Presley without hair, like just absolute <laughs> rock star, like dressed up sick. Um, his name's Alim Hakim. He's like one of my best friends in India now. Yeah. I'm training his staff and like we're having fun and, and we're so relatable in what we like and things like that. And I'm like, he's showing me social media. Dude's got like 1.5 million followers and he's cutting all the celebrities in India. I'm like shit like thank thank god i did this thank because god, yeah, we've yeah. got that relationship now mm. you know fast forward a few years like he hits me up he's like i got all the cricket boys coming to town you know they want you to look after them they come down i didn't hear anything i'm like all right all good whatever um and then that time had passed, things like that, and I'd come back from India or whatever, and I said, what am I doing? I don't have a job now. Mm. Uh, this tour was great. I made decent money for my day rate at the time. I thought it was decent money. You know, it helped a lot. Yeah, yeah. And Dad said, I'm proud of you. Like, what you've done over the last four years is, is very good. Like, you know, come back. I'm like, Sure. He said, yeah, come back. He goes, I know that now you've learned systems. Yeah. You've learned structure, which was the most important. You've learned being accountable. Mm-hmm. And I said, all right, let's do it. I went and worked in Bentley again. At this time, we had another shop in Bentley called Main Street. It was mm-hmm. probably 150 meters down the road, um, different brand. And that was because we were so busy at the Barber Club. Yeah, okay. So I went and worked there and... You know, just did my thing, cutting, things like that. Over a few months, started attracting... Because I was smashing content, like haircuts. Only haircuts. Yeah, yeah. And my haircuts were decent. Like, they were good enough for me to post and be proud of it. Yeah. And 
started attracting some kind of momentum with staff and like guys that wanted to work with us, you know, because again, you look from the outside perspective and you see someone that's gone international to educate, you know, maybe they've got their shit together, they know what they're doing. If I network with this guy, then maybe I'll be able to do things yeah, exactly. as well. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and that's the best part of my job and, and my career and our businesses is that everyone that comes on board like has an opportunity to do anything they want because of the network that we've got now, mm-hmm. you know? So work there, got a bit over it in a sense that for me, repetitive nature is great, but the same exact same thing being repeated nonstop can become mundane and yeah. boring and it's just not for me. Yeah, yeah. So dad and I discussed doing a shop in Port Melbourne. Mm. So, Found a perfect spot, pulled the trigger, got it up and going, you know, was in there six days a week, just pumped it, you know. And I had that idea of invite celebrities in, give them the free haircut, give them some free products, stuff like that, because that's what's going to instantly, and it does, it instantly grows your business because the people around those areas, they see it. Social growth is, is massive, yeah. Yeah. So did that, built that up. Um, we've you know we've been doing really well with that space there. Um, we're expanding to another two spots in Melbourne now, mm. you know. Um, and then all apart from Melbourne, which I love, like I love being in Melbourne. You know, I get to travel the world. I've travelled to Russia, India, Malaysia, um, the all different parts of the world to cut hair, and mm-hmm. it's been an amazing experience. But nothing beats having a set place where you've got. Your business. Your, your base. Yeah, you've got your base. Yeah. Um, and you've got your space that you can work out and do anything you want in there. Mm-hmm. You, know, you don't have to ask for permission or anything like that. It's just a great thing. And this is what I've told the boys. You guys have an open space. Utilize it. Utilize the brand. Utilize whatever network you need. If you need something, you know that I know that person and I can help you do mm-hmm. that. You know? um, so... Opening Port Melbourne was my kind of uh, take on our brand. Um, I wanted to go for like clean greys, neon signs, grass wall, just real modern and clean mm-hmm. and comfortable. You walk in, you feel yeah. comfortable. You don't feel like it's a, a classic barbershop yeah. that's just already been done. Every second street has a classic yeah. looking barbershop. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and dad was a bit iffy about it. He was like, no, no, like let's just Because it was slightly off brand with his yeah. line. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we opened Port Melbourne and for me it was like we need to modernise a brand because I'd come from a modern brand, like King's Domain at that time. It yeah. was like the modern style of brand, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, a bit iffy about it. He's like, oh, I don't know, like it's not really what we do. I'm like, well, me coming from my background now, it's what we need to do. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where you and I to grow and, and grow our brand, we have to do a modern shop. Yep. So he agreed to it. We built it and like straight away people were like, this shop's beautiful. Like this, the branding, the rebranding mm-hmm. that you've done, it's like, it stands out nice, you know. It's got that soft approach to it. Mm-hmm. It's not super manly. It's yeah. not feminine. It's like a perfect balance. It's mm-hmm. inviting to everybody, you know. And... So over time, we just built that up and built that up. And then I said to dad, you know, we need to re, rebrand Bentley because Bentley still had that classic look, you yeah. know. Um, and the staff were totally different. Like 
the guys that we had in Port Melbourne and the guys that we had in Bentley back in the day, there were different. There's different elements to barbering. Yeah, you know, you've got like you walk in quick, in and out, like smash them, done. Make as much money as you can. Yeah, it's not it's, it's, it's quantity over quality. Yeah, you know, and that was never dads, but it was it was just a little bit above that. Yeah, it was like in good haircut, quick. You know, but how quick can you do a good haircut? Yeah, you know. And after a, a month, you know, he said, "Yep, all right, let's do it." Mm. You know, like we'd we'd put enough money together in the business where we could afford to renovate Bentley. Yeah. So we renovated Bentley. We aligned the brand, um, and for me, it was just like such an exciting opportunity that we'd gotten the brand to how I envisioned everything. Mm. You know. Um, and it's funny, it started like, because we're on the beach in Port Melbourne, I wanted to make it a bit like Miami Vice style. You yeah. Know? <laughs> Vice City Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> yeah. And so we put the neon sign up, we put a pink flamingo after the barber club and dad was like, what are you putting this pink flamingo up for? <laughs> what, what has that got anything to do with the brand? I said, we got hundreds of palm trees out the front, we're on the beach, like, it's just a nice yeah. soft element to the shop, you know? Everyone's walking in. They're like, I love your flamingo. I love your flamingo. <laughs> That's sick, you know? And fast forward when we renovated Bentley, he's like, where'd you order that flamingo from? I was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, anyway, I said, look, we won't put a flamingo in Bentley because it's a different kind of, you know, demographic, but we'll put EST 2006 in pink after the blue barber club. Mm. He's like, yeah, all right. So we did that. And then... The biggest like soft change to the the physical visual of the shop was the gr- uh, grass wall grass. that we have in the back because before it was just grey like concrete wall mm-hmm. and it looked a bit bare like we'd take content social media and stuff mm-hmm. and and that fully changed everything you yeah. know, to the content uh, content aspect of it so from there I s- I was still with Andis at the time and I'd been with them for six years. Mm-hmm. And and for me, like if I'm with a brand, I'm with a brand long term. Yeah, like that's that's just what I do, you know. And I started to like feel. I I enjoyed the brand. I enjoyed the tools. Um, but I said, again, I've done enough of what I'm doing in this space. Mm-hmm. What what else can I do, you know? And I'm like, I don't really need to be sponsored by any kind of brand or anything. Mm. I just want to focus on building the Barber Club because we have an opportunity where we could expand quickly. Yep. We could do like big things with this mm-hmm. brand if we work on it properly. And, and in the current digital world we're in, we can brand it well and you know what I mean. Yeah, that 100%. kind of stuff. And then, so I left Andis. Again, one of those things where I was like, is it a good idea? You know, I've been with them for a while. They've given me really good opportunities. At that point, they'd gotten me to where I was. Mm-hmm. Um, in a sense of international education, the networking, the people I met, yeah. every country I'd been into, mm-hmm. you know, they were throwing me offers to come back out and educate for them personally. You know, so the network had grown in yeah. that aspect. And I was like, I probably don't need to overthink this too much because I've done my part. Like, um, I was the lead educator for the Australian-New Zealand team. Mm-hmm. Um, I was uh, on the international team for Andis, you know. And the last trip I did was the UK last, uh, what was it? 
two years ago. Mm-hmm. Went over to the UK with Tori, yep. who you know well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the whole team and a friend of mine, Anthony, from Adelaide. So there was three of us from Australia. Oh, and Shella, another girl. I'll throw her in there. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we did the Barber Connect, which is the biggest barbering show in the UK, which was cool. For me, yeah. it's like you're on stage and we actually had a real cool concept because it was – uh, the team from different countries. So it was like show what's modern in your country yeah, and the cool. style that works for you guys. And I did a mullet skin fade. Yeah. And I was like, is this going to work? A mullet skin fade? Like, do these <laughs> people understand this kind of haircut? And then a, cu- a show after us, a dude came on. He's like one of the most famous barbers in the world. He came on and he was asked, what's trending? It's like mullet skin fades. And I'm sitting there watching and I'm like, fuck, <laughs> I did that. Yeah, man. Like we've so, for so long followed trends from the UK, yeah, from Europe, Spain, things like that. Um, Australia's been behind with that, but that's the one haircut that just trended before anyone else, mm-hmm. you know, the mullet. Yeah. A modern approach to it because there's some dirty, dirty mullets yeah. <laughs> that you've seen around and like <laughs> don't look good. But um, the modern, good, clean mullet, you know, with a skin fade, and that was a cool feeling. Like, yeah, for sure. Like hearing the best of the best in the UK saying that's what's trending. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, so we came back um, and I was still a bit like, I feel like I could do without this because I really just want to focus on growing the brand. Mm-hmm. And pulled the trigger again. I finished up with Andis, you know, amicable terms. It was all good. Like, I literally just said I want to focus on my brand and that's it um a few months had gone by I'm pumping our content our social media and things like that and a dude reaches out from another clipper brand and I'm like oh I'll sit down I'll have a coffee with you we'll we'll talk about it because yeah. I really like those clippers I'm yeah, like yeah. I really love these clippers but I'll play it cool like we'll, we'll I don't want to jump back into anything yet yeah you know? I'm so locked in on growing our brand mm. and I don't want to put my time to too much other things apart from family, relationship, business, you know. And we sit down and we just have this talk and I'm like, this dude is a really good dude. Like his vision for what he wants to do with the brand and, and the knowledge I have yeah. with, with the industry and, and clippers and things like that and how I can push this brand. I said, yeah, like I can do it. But at this stage, I'd not really made any money from brand deals or anything like that you know so i i said to him i'm locked in on my brand so much the barber club and have so much things to do like if you want me to join you know with you um there's got to be something in it for me financially yeah because i i can't afford the time to put into this yeah um unless i mark out time from my business that i'll put in the time to do yeah which then leaves money on the table from what you could have made from your own business yeah, anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So in hindsight, um, it was good because, you know, I signed a contract with them. It was a good lucrative deal um, and I was very happy about that. But again, that money goes to the time that I put into what I do for yeah, that brand. Yeah, of course. You know? Um, so, yeah, those clippers, Gamma Clippers, yeah. um, they're an Italian brand, um, you know, and... And we just got cracking. We 
came up with a role for me. So lead educator for Australia and New Zealand, mm -hmm. put together an education team and a team of ambassadors, you know, so you've got your educators who look after classes, things that I've done. So yep. I've got that knowledge in that, like I can help these yeah. people elevate into becoming really good educators. Yep. And then we've got the ambassadors who are the social media experts that are good with creating, you know, TikTok and no reels, things like that. I got no idea about TikTok, so we got a dude that looks after all that. Yeah. You know? Um. So I've given everybody a different role for the brand, and yep. like everything's been going great. That's awesome. Know? Um, Carmelo, who's the boss, has come to me and said, you know, we need to push this product. You know, so all right, cool. Let's create content using our ambassadors with this kind of product. You know, for that week. Mm. Done. Easy. And no one has a problem with it because they know their role. Yeah. You know, so it works really well. Um, so I signed a deal with them. Then my mate hits me up, Alim, the guy from India. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yo, I got the Indian boys who are coming over again to Australia. Can you look after them? I'm like, yeah, yeah, get fucked. <laughs> like you said this last yeah. time two years ago and <laughs> nothing happened. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, all right, all right. So he FaceTimes me and he's with, he's with one of the dudes, Hardik Pandya, who's like, very well known. He's like the captain. He's been the captain of India, captain of uh, Mumbai in the IPL, and they're on Facetime with me. And this is three a.m. in the morning. Yeah. My phone's <laughs> going off. I'm like, I declined. I'm like, I'm sleeping. Yeah. It's like quick answer. I want to introduce you to someone. So I meet Hardik. We're talking. I got no idea who this dude is. Yeah. Like, or any of the Indian cricketers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just <laughs> not a thing that I even comprehended at yeah. the time. And. He's like, I'll see you soon, brother. Like, you know, we're coming down. I can't wait. Alim's told me everything about you and, you know, I can't wait to get a haircut from you. I'm like, all right, sweet, bro. Back to sleep. I'm wrecked. Yeah. i got to get up in three hours for gym. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, they roll over the next month and they went to Perth first and I got a call from a marketing agency um, and – there was a dude named Virat Kohli who's mm -hmm. huge. He's got like 265 million followers on Instagram. Like ridiculous. Can't comprehend that you can't comprehend that, that number. It's like it's ridiculous. It's crazy. And I get flown over to Perth to do a day shoot with him. Like he's on set for an advertisement. Mm -hmm. This was before the World Cup had started, the T20 World Cup. And I'm like, yeah, sweet. So I did have that day of bookings booked in, but I'm like, this opportunity is a little bit different to yeah. like someone walking in off yeah, the street sure. you know, who wants a haircut. And we instantly hit it off. Like I meet him there, like there's photographers, there's stylists, there's makeup people. I'm like the only dude there, you know. He rolls in with his um, personal manager, like he looks after his personal stuff. And again, we've just got so much mutual things that we like, mm. like, you know, um, boxing, things like that, like all different sports, you know. And the thing where we clicked the most was life, like mental state, things like that, you know. Um, and we were just talking throughout the day about certain things that, you know, had happened in his life. And I usually don't open up, like, very you know, quickly. I've mm. got to really get to know someone. And, yeah, I just... I know, like I had this energy from this dude and I'm like, again, I don't get starstruck. I couldn't give a fuck if you've got 5 billion followers or yeah. anything, <laughs> you know. If we relate, we're going to get along. And so we started talking and then I ended up flying around with them to every city 
in Australia for that whole month of tournament that they were playing. Yeah, man. So cut his hair, got some content. Again, he's like, come here. He put up a story of me and him. We're just standing there like... It's a pretty cool photo. I like yeah. it. I'll probably print it out one day. Um, put it up, man. And I think my Instagram went, at that time, I'd had like 60 or 70,000 followers, which I'd built up, you know, from yeah, yeah. education, international, other celebs, stuff like that. And it went, put it this way, by the time I woke up the next day, it was like triple. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck like is going it's on wild, here? Isn't it? And then I'm like, what can I do with this? Like, apart from, great, you've got followers. How do you monetize this? Like yeah. What do you do? So, month goes by. I've looked after all the Indian cricketers, you know, uh, interstate. And they came into my shop. Like, they were all coming to the shop. And they loved it because it's something they can't do in India. Yeah. They can't just walk into a shop, get a haircut. Yeah. So, that felt normal for them, you know. And it was just such a great experience meeting these kind of people and... And I started getting heaps of clients who are from India. Like, I've got heaps of clients now who are Indian. Mm. Such good people. Like, and we relate really well because now I know so much about the Indian culture and, like, the background of these guys and things like that, you know. So, it was pretty special. And essentially, from there, you know, we have a product company as well, the Club Products. And I was putting it in Virat's hair when we were in the shop and, got a few different products that do different things and he loved them and then we just got talking and we went out to dinner one night with him and his manager and we were talking about hair products and they came up with the idea that we can do something and Mm. you know um this was like a year and a half ago so you've probably seen on social media like i was in and out of india for the last six seven months at the end of last year just in meetings with their project managers things like that working on building up this opportunity and and potential brand to you know bring to india as a consumer range of hair products you know that um will be a game changer for india because they their hair products over there are on a bit of a different scale to how we do hair products here you know in terms of you know the organic side of things that we use and and the specifics of the products um and so that's something on the download we've been working on, yeah. but now I'm on camera, I've said it, so. Yeah, exactly right. It is what Exclusive. it is. Exclusive. Exclusivity. Exclusive. Um, yeah, so that's something we've been working on for a while, um, which I'm really excited. That's in partnership with Alim, my friend, yep. who introduced me to all mm-hmm. of them. Um, and that's what I mean, like when I said at the start, something is going to click along the way where I'm going to meet the right person. 100%. And, and something's going to happen. Something's going to change, whether it's anyone from any aspect of life, you know. Um, but separate to that, you know, like building up that that personal branding and stuff like that in India, which is like ultimately now become my market, it's now I'm opening the barber club there. Yeah. You know, so we're launching the first barber club um, shop in, in a month's time. Like, so it's just been a whirlwind of of crazy emotions in the last like year Mm. just based off meeting these cricket dudes yeah you know and it's like what you have to do is adapt to your niche you know so if your niche today is is the indian cricket team and tomorrow your niche is the all the f1 drivers you Mm. know so i've cut a couple f1 drivers um 
and you find a business opportunity within that circle. Yeah. That's your niche for that moment. Yeah. You know, your niche doesn't have to be set on just one thing. And if yeah. it doesn't work, that's it. It's all over. Yeah, exactly. You've got to be able to adapt, don't you? I think, um, again, I was having a conversation with someone the other day, even from a – this is just a personal trainer around – like their niche audience and their even their content, right? I think in any industry, people get caught in the trap of posting or, or pushing content towards what they think is really cool and what they really like. But it's like, what does your audience want? Yeah. Like, what is your yep. like? You need to cater to your audience. Like, and even like in the fitness industry, I'm, I'm sure it might be similar in in the barber industry as well. But it's like people are posting shit to to impress other coaches. Yeah, I'm like, man, you're fucking trying to reach your, a client who's going to pay you to monetize your yeah. business. Like, don't who gives a f- it's not a pissing contest to see who knows the most or mm. how many technical terms you could use. But the the key things that I kind of took away from all of like all of your story up until now, which is wild, is the importance of of networking and relationship building, which again, I some of the greatest opportunities and and a big reason why I'm even in a position I'm in now is literally all due to relationship building and things that potentially could have just turned out to be absolutely nothing. But the chance coffee or the the, the giving someone your time for free or just helping someone for without wanting anything in return mm. has led to some of the greatest opportunities that I've had. And by the sounds of it, it's been a massive um, driving factor for you. I think the that fork in the road where you could have gone to the left when you had that conversation with the old man mm. and just gone, well, fuck it, like, and it almost got resentful by yeah. instead choosing the choosing to double down and fucking, you know, I'll, I'll show you that I'm, I'm going to go and put in the work and it must be an incredible feeling now to, you know, know that your old man is incredibly proud of you, obviously, but at the same time be, be doing something that, you know, I would assume is going to be setting up your family as yeah, well yeah. which is yeah, which is would be amazing feeling that's the most important part for me like i see dudes that have and they're close people they've got broken relationships with family and i'm just like fuck, you need to sort that out like, like some things can't be sorted out like I, and there's personal details to that but if it's just like bickering bullshit i'm like you got to sort that out because your family is the only people that no matter if the whole world turns against you they're there with you. They're mm. standing right there with you. And they're like, you'll be all right. Mm. Like, it'll be fine. You'll figure it out. You know, like for dad, uh, this is something more on the personal side. He went, he was battling cancer for the last few years. Um, and that got to him pretty badly. He was in hospital for, for a very long time. Um, and that was something that, again, just ignited more fire in me to just do more, more, more. And now... Every day, like, he, thankfully, he got over it. Like, he's ah, cleared awesome. that. He's got one more operation just to sort out uh, some blood stuff that the chemotherapy stuffed around. Um, but in saying that, like, he's on, on a good side of it now, which mm-hmm. is really good. Um, but every day, that's just, like, the driving factor. People say the driving factor should be you and what you want to do. But if your driving factor is allowing your family to have a better life and a better lifestyle, mm-hmm. ultimately your lifestyle is going to be better anyway oh, because 100%. you're doing everything you need to do. That's, you know, whether it's financially and financially doesn't matter at the end of the day, as long as you've got a purpose with what you're doing mm. every day I wake up, I'm like my mum, my dad, my sister, my partner are the only things that I'm doing this for. Yeah. And if I fuck this up, that's that's on me. Yeah. It's not on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm in a position now where we can just grow. Like we're gonna open we're in 
movements opening another couple shops here very soon yep. as well you know like everything's happening all i wouldn't say all at once like when it comes to these kind of things people say like oh overnight success it's yeah. like oh this guy's like done this you know i've just locked in another few contracts with companies in india um scissor company and a razor company and and you know they say oh overnight success no it was like eight years, years that i've been doing this years. And taking all those chances hours. And, so and quitting jobs that I really wanted to keep and yeah. the hours that I was doing after hours and things yeah. like that, that is not on social media. Mm. You know, like certain things that have happened over time are not on social media. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and it's just been, for me, so motivational waking up every day. And, and you know, I start with gym in the morning, all the cylinders are firing, ready to go. My clarity's there. I'm working what have I got on? What have I got scheduled? I've got a meeting for this, this and this, you know? So now I'm at a point where I've got so many meetings during the week with all these brands and stuff that I'm doing overseas and, and here as well mm. that when I cut hair, it's like my day off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I used to think yeah. like cutting hair was so like, it's, it's hard. Like you're standing yeah. all day, stuff like that. I'm like, yes, it's yeah. Thursday. <laughs> I'm cutting all day today. Mm. It's Friday, Saturday. Yeah. Sunday I'm relaxing, you know? And then back into it Monday, admin, life stuff, meetings, things like, like all that kind of stuff. So the balance is great now as much as I'd love to cut more hair. Just with everything going on, it's literally impossible, yeah. you know. And, and the guys at the shops, they know that, like our staff, you know, and, and there's not – you don't need to voice those things. They see it. They know what's going on. Yeah, of course. Um, and fortunately, I'm in a position where I've been able to give uh, past staff, present staff so many opportunities that they have, you know – like been grateful for and they most likely wouldn't have gotten other places you know and that's the driving factor for me every day is the more i do the more i achieve in my personal world of what i'm doing the more the people around me get to do things bringing everyone with you fuck yeah yeah, man mate i've um i mean yeah i've absolutely loved hearing like that the whole story behind things and it is super inspiring to to start to just get to know you a little better and, and also just understand more about your story. But, man, it's obviously obvious that you're extremely driven and passionate for all the right reasons. Um, and as you said, once you are focused on those right reasons, you have perspective and you have the fulfillment, mm. the rest of the shit comes with it. It's a, it's a byproduct of, of making sure you're focused in the right place in the first place. And um, I'm excited to keep watching you grow, man, and, and really excited to see how these... Um, projects go over in india and obviously the new locations here um you know for those that are listening or watching at the moment we'll obviously have all the links to jordan's socials and and all the business side of things um in the show notes and of course if you're around the port melbourne area and soon city and richmond area uh make sure you get into the barbs club um go and get a get a cut go and get the um the mullet fade um <laughs> but i uh, appreciate you coming in brother and i'm looking forward to staying connected and watching you grow man appreciate it thanks for having me absolute pleasure brother if you guys have enjoyed this episode which i'm sure you have um and taken value from today's show we'd love for you to take a screenshot of this episode share it on your instagram story or to send the link to this episode to someone you care about or a friend um of course subscribe to the show if you haven't already and yeah Thanks so much for your attention and pumped to to share this episode um, with Jordan, with you guys.